0: Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnor and Navia, two psychotherapy students as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, from self care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior
1: therapy is. We hope you stick around. In this episode, we will explore love languages. Now, love languages are becoming increasingly popular amongst individuals as we might hear love languages or various aspects of love languages on a routine basis. So today, we will be diving into the topic to understand its origin, what love languages mean, and what research has to say about it. Before we get into love
0: languages and the rest of our podcast, we are very, very excited to introduce our guest speaker for the episode. So today we have Navisha Prasad Maharaj joining us virtually. Navisha is our friend and our colleague in the psychotherapy program at McMaster. She has a keen interest in mental health advocacy and is actively working to help diminish the stigma around mental health in the Caribbean. She's also a co-founder of a girl empowerment program called the Island Girls Project. Welcome, Navisha. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today with you guys. We're so excited to have you and discuss this really interesting topic, love
1: languages. Yeah. And just with that, can you tell us a little bit more about your project that you're a part of, Island
2: Girls Project? Yeah, so it's a mental health educational program that my sister and I developed for the Caribbean. So basically what we do is we go into schools in the Caribbean and we teach young girls a little bit about mental health and what it is. And then we also teach them self-care and how to go about doing that and incorporating it into their everyday lives
1: that's amazing yeah it is it's such a valuable tool and, and a really great work that you're doing yeah
0: I love that you're going into the communities as well because I think that's super unique to actually be able to go into that environment and speak to people firsthand yeah I wow like I'm very impressed
2: <laughs> yeah thank you it was difficult with COVID but we are hoping mm-hmm. to go back soon it's a great experience I think both for the young girls that we help and then also for us as well
0: yeah definitely and so if people are interested in island girls they are on instagram right navisha so they can check you out there
2: yeah our handle is at island girls project
1: yes it's great work please do explore and check it out and let us know what you think about that as well and we can jump right into our topic for today love languages so what exactly are love languages and who came up with it A brief intro into it, Dr. Gary Chapman released a book called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate in 1992, and this book really resonated with countless individuals as it was highlighted as a bestseller for nearly a year. So that was a long time for a book to be interest to the public. The thesis essentially of the book is a metaphor of a love tank, and what that means is how partners can help each other fill up their so-called love tank by speaking the other partner's love language. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're literally talking, but rather different actions or behaviors that you can do that will help you and your partner get along or really work together for your relationship hmm And Prabner sort of
0: touched on the purpose of love languages, but we can explore that a little further. So Chapman was actually a marriage counselor, as well as a number of other things that he did. And in his work with many couples over a span of 20 years, he noticed that most misunderstandings were common, right? It was a very natural thing that happened amongst couples, but these misunderstandings were particularly regarding each other's needs, So when one partner needed something from from their partner and they weren't getting it, it wasn't being fulfilled or wasn't being understood the way that they wanted it to. These misunderstandings are expected, especially, Chapman says, when people have different love languages. So they speak different love languages. And understanding these differences and each other's love languages can be really helpful for the relationship. So what this book does is it explores this universal need to be loved and the idea that figuring out our love languages can help us appropriately ask for what we need from others. And this doesn't just have to be in romantic relationships, but it can be in friendships, with coworkers, even with children. There's different versions of his book that are now released, and you can sort of pick the one that's most relevant for you to start to explore your love language. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Apparently, your love language can also change depending on who you're interacting with. So I think that's a really interesting aspect of it
1: and within those love languages so there are five types that he explored physical touch words of affirmation quality time acts of service and giving and receiving gifts so within the first physical touch these are various physical signs of affection they often can release feelings of warmth and comfort that are associated with the touch And it's interestingly enough, not necessarily something that means that you are super touchy. This can include hugs or pats on the back, or if your partner is crying, simply holding their hand and showing your support can also encompass what it means to have physical touch be your love language. The next
0: love language is words of affirmation, and this is pretty much what it sounds. It's these verbal acts of showing your love and appreciation for the other person. It could also be encouraging your partner or whoever you're interacting with in a verbal sense. So, you know, showing up and being sort of like a cheerleader with words is how I think of it. And interestingly, we see this more and more through digital communication these days. So it could be sending inspiring or helpful texts or through social media. These are now evolving forms of
2: words of affirmation that are maybe more common today than they were when the book was originally released and another type of love language is quality time and I think the most significant part of this type is the term quality and what that means because it's not just about hanging out with your loved ones it's about spending that time with them without distractions and giving your loved ones your full undivided attention and really being present in the moment
0: Absolutely. I like that you pointed out that quality part because it's so key. It's not just sitting next to each other on your phones individually, but really being present with the person and actively listening. And then the next one is acts of service. Acts of service is a way that you can make your partner's life a little bit easier. So this could be taking on some chores or something from their to-do list that now you can take on and help them out in some way. And for this one, actions speak louder than words. So actually doing something for your partner and showing them that you care in this particular form.
2: And the final one is giving and receiving gifts. So by this title, it almost seems a little bit materialistic. Like, oh, this person I like is giving me gifts, so I like them. But really, that's not the case. The gifts are symbols of love and thoughtfulness. So for people with this type of love language, they appreciate the subtle meanings behind the gifts.
1: Yeah, I think that's a nice point that you make of it's not fully materialistic. It's the intention behind the gifts that is interpreted and appreciated from your partner. So now that we've talked a little bit about the various types of love languages, I'm curious to know, when did we all hear about love languages? What are our experiences with love languages?
0: I can get us started. I heard about love languages a long time ago, I think. Probably when I was in high school. Yeah, my parents were actually really into the the topic and I first heard it from my mom. And I think it was their anniversary and they decided to get the love language book for for their anniversary gift and go through it together my mom definitely enjoyed it more than my dad did (laughs) but it was pretty cool that was my first introduction and since then i've sort of been doing the test on an ongoing basis just seeing how things change and then doing it with friends different people in my life yeah so that's sort of how i got introduced
2: to it that's so interesting that you still incorporate it in your life since you've learned about it i think i heard about it sometime in high school as well through like pop culture though and I didn't really understand it didn't really follow it and it wasn't actually until we started talking about it for this episode that I started looking more into it and I do I agree with you like this is something that's super interesting and I want to continue doing the test and seeing where it takes me and how it changes throughout my life I actually feel like I heard about it quite late I remember
1: doing a course in university and that's when it came up through someone's presentation and it was the first time I was hearing about love languages and I was like this is such an interesting concept I was quite skeptical in the beginning. I was like I don't know Mm -hmm. what does that actually mean but the more that I looked into it and especially for today's episode I think that there are some really interesting points that come up and that I feel like really do contribute and can provide value in a relationship or how you would like to be treated which is pretty cool but we've talked a little bit about doing the test what are your guys's love languages or what are your top ones yeah mine has changed over time which i think is a
0: super cool aspect of the love languages mm-hmm. but at the moment my current top love language is quality time which has been pretty consistent and then my second one is acts of service so that's sort of where I'm at. And it's kind of expected for me, I think. People who know me and when they hear that, they're like, yeah, I get it. It makes sense for who you are. So, yeah, I guess it's reliable that way, <laughs> at least for me.
2: Actually, Navia, mine are the same. So my top is quality time as well. And my second is acts of service as well. And I wasn't surprised about the quality time. I was surprised that acts of service was my second one. I was almost expecting words of affirmation to be my second one. So that was a little surprising for me.
0: (laughs) Me too, actually, because I think before it was quality time and words of affirmation for me. And now I think the stage of life that I'm in, I'm starting to think more about like practical everyday symbols of love or like ways that you can show love. And that's something that It stands out to me now, given that I'm thinking more about like, oh, if I'm like having a busy day at work, what would it look like if I came home and someone just helped me out with chores or something? And that I think I value more now than I did maybe in high school when I didn't have all that much going on.
1: So we're clearly three for three because my top are also quality time and acts of service. I don't know what that means, but that is very, very interesting. Yeah, I'm in the same boat where I thought I think they have changed over time a little bit, but I think my top has always been quality time. And I think I really I really resonate with the fact that I, I think that it can be situational and also depending mm-hmm. on where you are in your life and what you value. Because I think that earlier on, maybe receiving gifts was a bit higher on my list, mm-hmm. but that is isn't something that I really value at this moment. But that is so interesting that all three of us have quality time and acts of service as our top two.
0: Yeah. I wonder what that means. (laughs) Pretty cool. And like given that we're all sort of in a similar career path and doing a lot of similar things in terms of mental health, I wonder, right? Like I wonder how that connects us. But
1: with that, I'm curious to know, did you ever share your love language with others or did you do anything with the knowledge that you were given that this is what you might appreciate?
0: Yeah, I probably did a little too much with my (laughs) test results where I was like broadcasting it to the people who are close to me. Yeah, I think the last time I did it was with my friends and we all shared our results. So that was pretty natural. The time before I made my entire family sit down and do it together, I thought it would be a cool way to just get to know each other better. And I think sometimes when you're with a group of people for a long period of time or a particular person, you start to get used to a certain way of interacting in a way of life but then I had to stop and reflect and think am I actually interacting in a way that speaks to them like am I doing something that is benefiting them or, or really showing that I care and that's sort of what the test did for me at least it just brought to awareness what different people in my family are hoping for from each other and how we can tailor our behavior to what they need but it was pretty cool in my family because a lot of them were skeptical i had to force a couple of them to do it (laughs) especially (laughs) my my dad (laughs) and he was kind of over it by that point but anyways here we are i think it worked for for the rest of us though
2: that's actually an interesting point because i didn't do anything with my results Mm -hmm. i i felt like it helped me get to know me better and Mm -hmm. understand myself but now as you say that Navi I want to go to everybody I know and like I want to send everybody the link and have them fill out the quiz and then send me their results so you can figure out what everyone's love language is and kind of act accordingly I don't know if I'm going to be able to convince my family to do it (laughs) I I highly doubt that but I think like it's something I'm gonna try maybe I can get like one or two of my sisters to do it (laughs) It's, it's really cool because I feel like when I'm thinking of my family,
1: like one, I don't know if I can convince them, but two, I really want to just because it feels like I sometimes feel like all of my family members are so different from one another. And I wonder what it is that we can do for each other to help us feel a bit more connected at times. And I I feel like I can definitely see how mine would differ from, let's say, my brother's. So I think it might be interesting to see how it is different and how I could do something that would help our relationship and he could do things that would help ours as well. I've noticed it with some friends where the ones is like physical touch and they're very like, oh, let's do things together or let's hang out a bit more in that sense. And I'm just like uh, I don't, I don't want to, or, you know, like I need personal space if they're yeah. all like, let's sit together and like snuggle and hang out. And I was like, I need a little, a little bit of space, please. <laughs> so it, it's, inter- it's interesting to see what our friends and family want and what they
2: cherish and how we can then help out in that area. Yeah. And, um, you know what I also think too, I think just cause when I took my quiz, I was surprised by the outcome, the results. And, you know, as, as well as I think I know my family and my friends, I feel like I'm going to be surprised by their results as well. And I want, I want to know a little bit more about that. Yeah.
0: And it's cool with family because you, they're there, like you haven't It's not like you're in this stage where you're like deciding who I want to pick to be in my family. Family's there. So it feels like, you know, it might be a good idea to get to know each other. But I know this is used for romantic relationships pretty often. And it's sometimes used as like a screening tool almost where people are like, what's your love language? And if they don't match or don't feel compatible, it's like, "Eh, I don't know about that anymore. So pretty cool how it can be used in different contexts. And How it sort of evolved to be used now Mm -hmm. um, as sort of this, I don't know, (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to screen people out based on what their love language is, which I don't think was the original purpose, which we can go into later, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it, it is really cool how it's become quite embedded into pop Very culture much. and like just our society in general. People have their own love languages that are beyond what Chapman initially wrote. And that's sometimes interesting to hear As huh, I didn't know there was a sixth or seventh one that was listed. <laughs> but we can definitely jump right into that, actually, talking about mm-hmm. what does research actually have to say about love languages?
0: Yeah, given the popularity, you would imagine that there's quite a bit of research on the topic, but really there isn't all that much. There's maybe a little bit more here and there in certain areas of love languages, but in general, the research is pretty mixed. There are some studies that are supporting the love languages and their validity or reliability. And some that really aren't, and they're saying that it's more other factors that are contributing to, let's say, success in a relationship
1: or feelings of love between partners or families. So just as we get into it, I wanted to share that all of our resources are going to be linked in our description. So you're welcome to check those out and explore the articles that we reference for yourself. To start us off, there are results that show that there are significant relationships between the love languages and other models or tools that are meant to explore relational maintenance. And essentially, that is just behaviors that are done to preserve a relationship. There is evidence saying that Chapman's love languages are a way people can do things that will maintain their relationship. In addition, there is also some research that supports a hypothesis that a partner's perception on their partner's Partner using their preferred love language would increase love and relationship satisfaction. So essentially how they're viewing what their partner is doing can also improve their relationship as a whole. Interestingly enough, there are some gender differences where they found that women who thought their partners were using their preferred love language reported greater feelings of love compared to men. And also there is support for teaching people how to learn about and use their partner's love language. So recognizing when their partner attempts to use their preferred love language and how that could increase feelings of love or relationship satisfaction as a whole.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool because it's using the basis of love languages, Mm -hmm. right? But not directly testing love languages and let's say relationship satisfaction, but the perception of how a partner is using a love language, which is a whole other layer to Chapman's model, right? It's just pretty interesting stuff there. Mm -hmm. When we can look at some evidence against, there's a fair amount of evidence against it, but it's not completely... You know, taking away from the model, it's more so saying that there's other variables to consider when we're looking at relationship satisfaction or feelings of love. So for example, one study looked at self-regulation as a key contributor in satisfaction for relationships, and this referred to sort of an individual's ability to guide their activities over time and across circumstances in a way that would be better suited to their partner. So in that study, they looked at how self-regulation can play a very important role in predicting relationship satisfaction, more so than having the same love language or having different love languages. And I think Prabner mentioned earlier that there's a lot of different models that try to sort of encompass how love works. It's a huge topic, right? And so one of these models is looking more so at forms of sacrificial, intimate, quality time, supportive, and comforting love. So just different facets of love. And what this other study looked at is that instead of the five love languages, maybe these variables or factors are more so predictive of a quality relationship. And what they found in the study as well is that there is very high intercorrelation between the five love languages, and what they suggest is that maybe these love languages aren't as independent as the model originally suggested. So for example, we were talking about how there's a couple of love languages for us that do tie in together. So for example, the quality time and acts of service, they tie in pretty closely, at least in my my opinion, to each other. And so maybe they aren't as independent as we see it. Or for example, like sometimes I can enjoy physical touch, even though it's my lowest rated love language, but not all the time. And so yeah, there's a lot of different degrees of agreeing or disagreeing with certain love languages that really complicates the the topic
1: yeah and i think something to consider with all the research that we have mentioned is there are various limitations to all of this work right now The sample sizes that often are used within research aren't very great in terms of the sizes and how many people are actually included in the studies. Also, the samples aren't as diverse as we might want them, so most of the work done is often with heterosexual couples, so there isn't that diversity within same-sex couples or even race or ethnicity that is considered. So all of these things make it quite hard to generalize a lot of the findings from such research papers or work to the greater population as a whole.
0: Yeah. And then that raises the question, well, if there's some limitations to the studies, there's a mixed result in terms of the research. Why is it so popular? Like you hear love languages almost everywhere. I was doing a little bit of research and apparently a very common thing on Twitter is people saying like wine tasting is my love language or tasting cheese or cooking. I I know those are all food related, but there's other (laughs) ones too, where it's like riding my bike in Toronto is my love language. So it's used Uh, in a lot of different contexts it's used almost everywhere on social media it's very very common so what do you guys think why do you think it's become so popular and so mainstream
2: i wonder if the reason why it's been able to maintain its popularity for so long is because it's so adaptable to the ever-changing society you know things that were acceptable and kind of the norm back in whenever we learned about this like in high school right That has changed dramatically, and yet I still can understand how even just the regular five concepts of love language, like the first five types, are still able to be adapted into any relationship now, you know?
0: Definitely, yeah. I think I mentioned about how even with words of affirmation, we can see that through texting or social media, and it's still related to words of affirmation just a different form and it just looks a little different so for sure I think the adaptability is a huge point and the fact that relationships no matter what they look like are everywhere right we're social beings we're always in ever-changing relationships and that's a huge part of you know, for some people, the definition of success in their life, being in healthy, safe, happy relationships. And so it kind of makes sense that people gravitated towards this concept where it's like, well, if I could learn more about myself or my partner, maybe that could lead to a more successful relationship.
1: And I think it's really interesting that even if the research behind it isn't the most supportive, it seems to really resonate and connect with people And they are really appreciating it. I remember reading how there was this one therapist and how they were doing couples counseling and they used love languages as a guide to show individuals what their partners might need and how this could foster greater understanding between them. So not necessarily using it as a strict guide where it's like, if this is your love language, this is what you have to do, but showing maybe where are those areas that you're lacking communication or what your partner might need from you and drawing on what an individual appreciates and respects to really show that maybe if we worked on this area, that might help your relationship. So I think that that in itself seems very much applicable to anyone. And I think maybe that's why it's also connected with so many people and it has become so popular.
0: I think it's a great point because the first thing that I think of now that I think of love languages is it's sort of like a reflection, right? Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be these strict guidelines, but more so a way to self-reflect, to introspect in for yourself and in your relationships and just have more awareness of what's going on. And like you said, Prabhnoor it's been used in a lot of different areas. So whether it's counseling or even in the mainstream culture, there's actually a love language app that you can find where you take the quiz in the app. You can connect your partner to the app as well. So like, I guess, send them a little bit like a request or something. They can join the app with you. You can set goals together based on your love languages and then send them nudge which I thought was the coolest Aww. thing where you just like remind them like hey it would be really nice if you could let's say take out the garbage today and then you have these like conversations about your love languages which is pretty cool so it, yeah it can be adapted in a lot of different areas
2: yeah and I also I was gonna say that I think even just the topic of love languages is something that people are more open to discussing nowadays than they were way back when. I feel like even if you're talking to your friends or your siblings or your family or your partner, this is a conversation that you can, you know, have about your love language without any other connotations um, attached to it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, I was thinking that as well um, about sometimes in relationships, no matter what they look like, there can be this element of blame when there's misunderstandings like this is your fault or that, you know, you said something wrong. And I think this sort of externalizes the blame in a sense or, or the reason for misunderstandings. It's not the person, but it's sort of their way of showing love that maybe needs to be adapted in a certain way and I think that's especially helpful because we know, you know, especially Pravnor and I being in the mood disorders clinic we talk a little bit about assertiveness there and how we want to focus things on ourselves rather than blaming the other person and I think this is a cool adaptable way of using almost assertiveness in your relationships and just connecting with another person without it being you versus them or individuals but more so like this is the group that I come from in terms of a love language and that's why I'm sort of acting a particular way or have particular needs and
1: it would be great if you could sort of be aware of that. That's pretty cool how you brought it in with like being assertive with what you want because it's true maybe using the love languages to learn more about yourself and you know what I really appreciate spending time with my loved ones and sharing that with people around you can be very helpful for yourself and others to know how they can be there for you or how they can support you and how they can foster that healthy happy relationship in multiple ways it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship it can be with family friends your children anyone really. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation. I think I've had the chance to learn a lot more about you guys and how similar we are with our love languages. That was still something that I think that is pretty cool. But I wanted to say thank you so much, Navisha, for joining us today in our episode and sharing your perspective on love languages, your experience, and offering some great insight to our discussions with the research and what love languages entail. We really appreciated you jumping in and sharing your thoughts.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was a great learning experience. We hope
0: to collaborate with you again in a future episode as well, if there is anything that comes up that's interesting for all of us. But with that, I just wanted to say that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. And any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health or well-being.
1: And we would like to leave you with some resources. This includes good to talk Kids Help Phone, Connects, Wellness Together Canada, and any others that you can think of. These are just a few that we know within Canada, but we highly encourage you to explore your own local resources for mental health and please reach out for help if you need it. Just a reminder that you can connect with us through our
0: email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. You can check out our Instagram page for future updates. And it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on our podcast or any other feedback that you may have with us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts,
1: Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts or wherever else you're listening right now. So we just want to say thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration of love languages. We're really excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes. But for now, stay safe and take care.